0: Hello and welcome to the weekly Album Anniversary Recap Show for the week of November 25th through December 1st. I'm your host Caleb, or Caleb the Spy, on Twitter and Instagram. Every day on those social media sites, I post about what I call album anniversaries, or just the anniversary of the album's release date. A couple years ago, I created a calendar and documented the release dates of some of my favorite albums. And then, I would celebrate those albums on that day. I might post something online or I would just take the opportunity to re-listen to the album. But in the last year, the list of albums has grown significantly. And now I have every album I own tracked on my calendar, as well as a multitude of albums others have suggested. And with so many albums and a limited number of characters, I don't always have the chance to say everything I want to about an album on social media. I started this podcast so that I could talk about and take a closer look at some of my favorite albums and posts from the week. Occasionally, we will talk about some news or take a look at some new music, but mostly we're here to talk about the album anniversaries. All right, with that, let's start with just a little bit of news. Starting on December 3rd, that is the first day of Advent this year, I'm going to post a Christmas album of the day every day, and all I'm hoping is it'll just... Start conversations, much like these album anniversary posts. It's just a good conversation starter. People are excited to talk about these albums again or take a chance to look back. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. Is I'm just going to post some of my favorites. It's I originally wanted to set out and do a top ten or a top fifty Christmas albums list. It just never happened. Uh, Other things got in the way. So instead, I'm just going to post about just kind of random ones. Uh, I got a list of over fifty, and I'm only going to post about twenty three. And save some of my favorites for next year too. So this can just become an annual thing. I'm gonna use the hashtag. I think it's uh, album Christmas album of the day. Uh, I tried to. I'm gonna try and get a hashtag going with it, and uh, I'm hoping that people will post theirs too, and it'll just be a good conversation starter. So that's the that's the only real news I have. Uh, last week it was full of news, kind of right leading up to Thanksgiving. Almost none this week. Uh, the other thing I did, I do like to mention is kind of, if I don't have any new music, just kind of stuff I've been listening to. And the big thing that I've been listening to this week is a lot of Mars ill. They are a hip hop duo from Atlanta on black Friday or the day before. I think it was on black Friday, uh, DJ dust. He's half of the group. He posted some new merch that was available and it told me, totally got me kind of going back and diving into, uh, some of their catalog and, their album, Backbreakonomics, which celebrated its 20-year anniversary in August. I uh, started working on kind of a mini-podcast for that because I wouldn't get to talk about it for another five years in the current format I'm doing. We'll see if I get that done, but I've been listening to a lot of Mars Ill uh, since that came out. So that's kind of it, and I've just started kind of poking my head into some of the Christmas music, but I generally wait until uh, Advent starts to really go into it, so... All right, let's get into some album anniversaries. First one, I'm just going to mention briefly because I missed it last week. It got posted by Tooth & Nail on after I'd already recorded the podcast. And it is Wish for Eden's Pet the Fish. Now, why is this album important? Uh, it is the first Tooth & Nail album. So if you're into kind of Christian alternative music, it is a, an important album for that. It's the first album to come out under Tooth and & Nail. And I thought it would be fun to mention just because it was celebrating a 30 year anniversary it came out in 1993 so that's kind of cool the the first tooth and nail album i did own this album at one point uh i randomly so the way me and my friends discovered christian music in the 90s was we would randomly walk into the northwestern bookstore in our town and sometimes there was demos but a lot of times we were just looking at album covers and going well this looks interesting or we'd have that little guide thing that was up And we'd choose stuff off there, but that was one I just randomly pulled off the shelf and uh, played. Looking back on it, it's not very good in my opinion. It's just nothing special, but uh, just kind of a fun one to mention. So Wish for Eden, Pet the Fish, I just wanted to throw it onto the the show notes. Uh, So let's jump into a couple other ones that we did celebrate and talk about. First up is 2013's Engine of a Million Plots by Five Iron Frenzy. This album was their comeback album, and it ranks number nine on my favorite all-time album list, and I think it's going up. I, The more I listen to this album, the more I've kind of evaluated it this last couple weeks, I think this album is probably going to go up for me if I do redo my list. We'll see, uh, but yeah, just as I kind of dove deeper into it, I think I really, really took in how much I really appreciate this album. Um this is probably one of the most listened to albums I have ever had. I got this because I was a part of the Kickstarter for this when Fiverr and Frenzy returned in 2011 and then put this album out in 2013. I got this album a week before technically the street date, but everybody who supported the Kickstarter did. And well, most people did it, I'm guessing. And I listened to this pretty much nonstop for at least a week and probably more like a couple weeks. I had, I was so excited for their return and I don't think I turned this album off for yeah, at least a week, if not two. So uh, yeah, the, this is probably one of the most listened to albums uh, I've ever owned. And there's, in my opinion, there's really just not a bad song on this album. It's it's really solid all the way through. And I think it's especially strong at the beginning and at the end of the album. Some of the middle is less, it, just not as, it's still really good, but it's just not, um, those the, the beginning of this album and the end are I just think particularly some of their best work, the first three songs, especially um, so far and Zen and the Art of Xenophobia might be two of their most catchy songs they've ever written. And the art of xenophobia is not just incredibly catchy, and this wonderful I want to call it pop punk rock with horns is kind of what I would go with, and we'll talk about that a little more. But it's just catchy. The bass line is so good, and the lyrics in this song in particular are incredibly thoughtful and interesting. And it's just it's a song that I know they said that yeah, they couldn't have done when they had a record label. And it's a song that really, really hits home for me. But some of the best songs on this album are on the back half. Rap your, lips. I am your you a- into your veins kind of starts the closing of the album and it's this I want to call it pop punk but it's it is probably more rock with horns Yes, this album doesn't have a ton of ska on it. Again, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, But it, it really is this just driving force of a song. Again, the bass is good. The horn lines are good. The lyrics are interesting. And it just keeps getting more dynamic as the song goes on, which is really, really interesting. It was a dark and stormy night. Again, this song came out technically two years before this album and I wore this song out for two years, and I never got tired of it, and I never have. It still is a song that has a strong, strong emotional connection to me because it's what I'm always gonna connect with to the band returning. Second to last song on the album is "I've Seen the Sun," which is some of Dennis's best work. It's a, a nice contrast to the final song, which was written by Scott and gives that hope. I, I love how this album does portray some of the different perspectives of the group uh, members. Not every member of this group is a Christian anymore, and it it just still. Uh, it, I like how they get a little bit of both. Uh, Dennis's more hopeful side to Scott's more Uh, cynical or questioning side so i I think it's a again i've seen the sun is one of my favorite songs by dennis criticism that i hear often about this album and really new of Iron frenzy is that they don't have as, enough humorous songs and it's more just rock with horns so let's start with the rock with horns for me i don't care i i love ska music it's my favorite style of music but one of the things i've said this before one of the things i like about ska music is that it's really malleable and i'm not too worried about does it meet all the criteria i have no desire to be a gatekeeper on anything and especially ska music so i'm not as worried about that is it catchy is it interesting that's what matters to me and if it's ska enough or not i really don't care um i love this what they're doing here what they're they're producing really really good songs musically and interesting and then the other big critique on this album and new five iron frenzy is the lack of humorous songs and I'm just going to flatly reject that for the simple fact that people are allowed to grow up a little and change a little. And there's still plenty joke-oriented, and there's still definitely a goofy set of people if you follow any of their online presence. And I'm just not going to worry about did their songs have enough funny in them. I, I reject the idea that dance, band, dance, you need to be what I tell you to be. I'm just going to reject that. I, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I think, especially on their newest album, not this one. Yeah, just a lot had changed for the band and for individuals in the band. And to tell them be funny and be funny now, it I just I totally reject that idea. And as a person who has aged with them, I don't mind the more serious tone. I'm definitely not as goofy and weird as I was 20 years ago, and you know. Damn it, that's probably a good thing. The last thing I will say about this album, and it's not really about this album. This I know it's like the third week in the row, but go check out the Church Shams Now uh, episode on this album. Again, I love this album. I love this band, and I maybe like li- they they made me appreciate it in almost a new way or just a new fondness. So go check out their their uh, review of it it's really really good it's a couple weeks back i think but absolutely worth checking out their review of this album as well so that's engine of a million plots by five iron frenzy which celebrated a 10-year anniversary this year next let's talk about an album from 1993 celebrating a 30-year anniversary and that's mind size by poor old lou So like I mentioned, this came out in 1993, and this was their second album. They had released, I'm going to mess up the name of it, Star Studded Superstar. I totally messed it up, but they had already released one album, and then they come back and they do this one, and it, the I'm going to mention the band members' names, partially because I remember this being one of the first bands that I knew all their names. And I don't know why that stands out to me as important, but it, it does. And so Scott Hunter was lead singer. Aaron Sprinkle, who's gone on to produce so much music and have a couple other bands and solo acts, was on guitar. Nick Barber was on bass. And then Jesse Sprinkle, who has also gone on to have a fairly prolific music career, was on drums. And obviously Aaron Sprinkle and Jesse Sprinkle are brothers. This album was produced by Terry Taylor and Dury Daughter, Daughterly, Daughter, Daughtery. I'm really good with names, if you haven't noticed yet. And those are guys who were their Christian alt-rock royalty, in my opinion. I think they're some of them in the 77s or the choir. They've got connections to all those groups. But that's just an interesting tidbit that uh, this album was produced by those two individuals. And this is just an absolutely fantastic album. It's 10 songs and all of them are strong. All Pretty for TV is musically I think amazing lyrically it's just okay it feels a little weak at this point just kind of a commentary on watching too much tv um the song that i meant that i noticed the most on this re-listen was so good to see me this might have been my favorite song listening through it this time This really great song that i don't know if i really totally noticed before uh, the rhythm section really shines through on on this song in particular in love with the greenery is dark and brooding it's dreamy with this heavy distortion that really i feel like defines that 90s alternative rock but this is one of those first christian alternative acts that i think really started to embrace those distorted guitars Do I feels like this quintessential poor old Lou song. It's driving drums and bass, it's layered distorted guitars, and it's got this soaring chorus. So Do I, again, just is, this is what poor old Lou would kind of be known for, in my opinion. Pride and True brings that kind of funk style that they kind of got known for as well, of having a real funk or psychedelic feel to them. And uh, this is one of those first songs where that really starts to shine through on this album. Song Crucialty, which I feel really confident in the title of, this might be the best song on the album. It's absolutely an amazing song that just feels so at home on a poor old Lou album. I will say the second half of the album is probably not quite as strong there's a couple albums a couple songs that are just just okay but the album does end or uh, towards the end of it you get shine which is another yeah it's at the end it's the, the final song shine is a great closer and uh, just just feels like a wonderful way to wrap up that that second album their next album i believe their next album is sin that's the album that introduced me to them and i they've been one of my favorites since since that introduction this album stands up against anything coming out in 1993 and i think especially against the christian market at the time that christian alternative market this song could have been on mainstream radio or this this album could have been on mainstream mainstream radio we we often talk about this idea of a groundbreaking Christian album, and if this isn't it, I don't know what is. I just feel like this album sounds so much more dynamic and so much more interesting to me than some of those other early alternative albums. I don't know if it's Scott Hunter's um, his, his voice that comes through, or if it's that heavy distortion, or just that really, really wonderful rhythm section, but this album just feels like a huge jump forward in the alternative Christian music scene. And again, I think they would go on to do even better things. Their next two albums were even better than this, I would argue. So that's Mind Size by Poor Old Lou, which came out in 1993. Next, let's talk about an album from May. This is Multisensory Aesthetic Experience, which came out in 2018, so celebrating a five-year anniversary. So clearly, this is a talented group um, but with so much of this 2000s emo, I want to call this emo stuff. It doesn't do a lot for me. I, I missed a lot of that emo scene, um, especially on this album. Now, I I have listened to I've listened to all their albums, I believe, at this point. This is a band that is really new to me, so maybe it's that. Maybe it's not hitting me at the right time in my life. Maybe it's I just never was into, and I don't know if a contemporary is Dashboard Confessional and. And some of those other uh, emo bands. So if I'm wrong, hit me up. Let me know where I'm where I've gone wrong. But maybe it's just something about where this is hitting me in my life. The fact that I'm a middle aged man with children and a mortgage, and I'm not this young young person anymore. Uh, but this this stuff doesn't hit me as as much, and I, I just don't connect with a lot of the lyrics, especially on this album. Again, the Everglow by them. I really I can understand that one just being a really, really wonderful album, and I I can totally dig on that one. This one, less so. I I just didn't connect with it as much. I felt like a lot of the lyrics kind of fell a little flat Um, as I was listening to it. uh, It probably wasn't until the song Five Light Years that I really had a moment where I was kind of grooving along with it. Everything before that had just been okay. Nothing had really stood out to me. Um, That song and the overview and you Fall When You Hesitate were probably my favorite songs from it. Uh, the song No Promises and then all those numbers just felt a little silly almost. I don't know. I I just, I missed it. And maybe there's something in the lyrics that stands out to me more. But again, this kind of experimental pop emo stuff uh, just doesn't do it as much for me. Um, I can, again, see the talent. Um, especially the distorted vocals in the first half of the album. They, they really didn't work for me. I, I don't connect a ton with his vocals as is and those distorted vocals just seemed a little off it was at least one or two songs i feel like early on in the album i think my big question coming out of an album like this is it i hear it labeled as experimental all the time and i always just wonder what makes this experimental um i I don't know how it doesn't sound overly experimental to me and maybe it's I again i don't have a good place to put it in, in next to some of its good contemporaries so Maybe that's the issue. Maybe I need to hear some of the its com- contemporaries, and maybe that would help me understand why it's such an experimental uh, project or why this group in particular seems to be so uh, experimental. So those are the three albums I wanted to highlight and kind of take a deeper dive into. There was a lot of albums, uh, not as much as the the couple weeks before. It does slow down. I think I mentioned this last week. It slows down quite a bit here through December, January, and February. Uh, so probably a couple less to talk about, but those were the three I wanted to highlight. I thought that would be the most interesting to talk about, but there were another, a bunch of other albums that did come out that are worth just giving a quick shout out to Uh live at the grand Olympic auditorium by rage against the machine came out in 2003. I think technically it was their last release as a group. Uh, they released a live album uh, after they broke up. I would love to say that this captures their live energy, but I just don't know if it does. It was also their second live album, which was a total shock to me when I was writing up my tweet for uh, that one. Johnny Cash's Unearthed box set also came out in 2003. I believe they both came out on the same day. And, I mean, this is just great. It It's a bunch of his America recordings or American recordings, and it's absolutely great. Uh, it's a great box set. It's got, like, five albums. Absolutely great. There's some gems on there. Yes, uh, maybe it's a little um, indulgent with the the volume of it, but it it's totally worth checking out. There's just enough there's enough uh, golden nuggets in there to make the the thing worthwhile. Uh, thriller by Michael Jackson came out in 1982, Celebrated that this week, and man, what a huge hit! And the hits on this are amazing. I, I kind of forgot I was listening to it, and I was like, I was five maybe four songs in, and I was. Just like man, why why was this such a huge hit? Because these were good, and then you get to Thriller, Beat It, and Billie Jean. I don't know if that's the order they come in. They come in right in the middle of the album, and you're kind of like, oh yeah, this is why this was a global phenomenon that took over the world in uh, 19, 1982 and nineteen eighty three. I do think some of the rest of the songs on it are just okay. So maybe it's a little a little overrated just because of the amazing, just how amazing those three hits are, but. Either way, it's a fun listen to, to go back into that world, 1982, and probably was really even a bigger hit in 1983 if it, if it came out this close to the end of the year. All right, um, Upbeats and Beatdowns by Five Iron Frenzy. Their debut album was released during this this week in 1996. This would also get a, a larger, um, more national uh, release a year later. So it comes out in 1996 on Five Minute Walk, and then it gets redistributed or re-released by cerebellum which was a kind of an offshoot of five minute walk which had more of a relationship with warner brothers and so i think it got a kind of a wider release later in 1997 but i think i have i think i have the 1986 version i did not pull out my version but i feel like i got this because i had heard them on a sampler and i think i i got this the second i could uh, so i think i've had this since 1996 and i'll just say it this is this is my heart this is my my love i listened to this twice on the on its album anniversary date and i loved every minute as much as i loved the last and i can still listen to this album over and over and over again yep it's it's not as polished as especially as their new stuff and it's got some maybe some rough bits production wise but holy cow it this album changed my life if there's one album that changed my life the, it's probably this one there's some other albums I would point to but holy cow this one really did so that's upbeats and beat downs by five iron frenzy it came out in 1996 all right let's talk about two albums from indelible grace I think they came out on the same day one in no they didn't they didn't but one came out in 2007 which is wake thy sleeping children and the other one was the indelible grace hymn sing from 2010 which is a live recording of their uh performance at the Oh man, I'm gonna forget it. It's the big, big theater in Nashville. Um, the Ryman, Ryman. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It released in 2010. That's one of my favorite albums. It, really, the the hymn sing uh, really functions as a greatest hits of sorts, and it's a really great one. I'm glad. I'm glad their new Kickstarter got funded. I'm excited to hear more live performances from them. And wake they wake they sleeping children is super solid. Honestly, um, there's just there's so many great songs on that, and there's so many great songs on all their albums, but this was, I think that was their fifth release, and it's it's a really, really solid collection of old hymns made new, so uh, really enjoyable to listen to. All right, a couple more. We'll try and wrap things up. Uh, the Wall by Pink Floyd came out in 1979. It's a masterpiece. I know a lot of people like their earlier stuff better, uh, Dark Side of the Moon and some of their other things. This one can be a little bit indulgent at times. I don't disagree uh you know the whole psychedelic rock is not necessarily my thing uh but i i enjoy this album well enough the hits on it are really really great there's a couple really really excellent songs on it um that really stand out and uh if you've never had the chance i would strongly recommend there's a a guy on youtube called folding ideas he has some really interesting videos and he has a video where he dissects somebody else's review of The Wall, and it's really, really interesting. It's actually almost given me more of an appreciation for this album, Uh, and it's really talking about more about the movie, but it really has made me appreciate this album even more, so I would highly recommend that. Uh, Let's see. In Your Face by Fishbone came out in 1986. This was their first full-length album. They had put out an EP before, uh, one of the godfathers of Third Wave Ska, if you're going to put scott into waves but uh ahead of their time i really love fishbone in the last uh, i really have discovered fishbone only in the last i don't know five six years and uh a selection is on this album and that is my favorite song by them by far Obsolation. Obsolation. It's so, so catchy. If you listen to that song, A Selection, go go listen to it, and I think you'll just be singing it for days. It's that good. Uh, let's see. Talk about, uh, let's talk about another one here. Pictures in the Sky by Rich Mullins came out in 1987. I don't know if this is his best work. Uh, I will say my first listen through, I was a little underwhelmed with it. And even, like, I noticed uh, some of the vocals on some of the earlier songs don't sound super strong, which was kind of interesting. But on a second listen, I enjoyed this a lot more. The, you know, props to Rich Mullins. Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention on my first listen. Because my second listen, I was totally kind of uh, wiggling in my seat as I enjoyed it. So uh, that, that that's a... Uh, I think that was his second album, Pictures in the Sky, by Rich Mullins, came out in 1987 And then last one I want to talk about is Make a Record by the Suicide Commandos, a Minnesota group. Their album, uh, the the album Make a Record, came out in 1978, so celebrating 45 years. And this is, I think this is so good, it probably does not get the uh, recognition and props it deserves. Because, man, it's a really, 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 really good album. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. And I just don't think they ever got the wide uh, success that they probably deserved. All right, that is it for the week of November 25th through December 1st. I went through a lot pretty fast. Sorry, I'm trying to record late and get this done and get to bed, so uh, just flying through this. Uh, the music at the beginning and the end of the show is the instrumental version of Sing It Out at Street Level by Peg and the Rejected, which is the dingies uh, in one of their many incarnations. This one focused on ska songs. Uh, please do check out the dingies and all of their other uh, incarnations like Peg and the Rejected. Thank you for joining me this week. Let me know what you think. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? What are your favorites from this week? Why am I wrong about May and I just don't get it? Uh, I'm just like your dad and I don't get it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Caleb the Spy with no spaces. You can find me on Instagram at Caleb the Spy with underscores and you can email me at Caleb the Spy podcast at gmail.com no spaces or underscores in that one. And if there are albums that should be on my calendar because they are they need to be celebrated, please let me know and I will get them added to my calendar. Please subscribe and share the podcast. If you're so inclined, leave a rating or review. I've heard that is the best and most effective way to spread the word about uh, about podcasts. And most of all, thank you if you engage with me all on all at all on social media. I do put a lot of time into setting up my daily posts, so seeing people get excited to revisit or discover rediscover older albums or discover albums for the first time is a thrill. Thanks again if you listen to any or all of this show, and we'll talk to you next week.